Hello everyone, this is Don McPherson with 12 Geniuses. And to do a Q1 wrap up, I invited my friend Joey Torkelson, the host of the Grind podcast to join us. He's gonna interview me about what we learned during Q1, who we're following, where we went, and a host of other questions. So Joey, thank you for joining us on 12 Geniuses. I am extremely excited, Don. Thank you so much for inviting me. I just love the fact that we're doing this uh, post post first quarter, you know, because a lot can change in three months. And I think it's an amazing opportunity to look back and go, all right, what just happened and where are we going? So let me just start this out. What were you following this quarter? What I've been following is very similar to what I've been following over the last year, 18 months artificial intelligence and advances that we are making globally in that field, robotics, drones, virtual reality, wearables, the Internet of Things. These are the technologies that I've been following for the last 18 months, but these are technologies that change very, very quickly. The applications for their uses are changing rapidly. So I've continued to follow these technologies. I'm also following uh, different demographic shifts. So one of the the big demographic shifts that have been following over the last three months has been aging populations. Uh, we know that the world is aging. The United States is aging, but other countries are aging actually much, much quicker than the United States even. And something that came out of Milken Institute that I read recently is that currently 12% of the global population is over the age of 60. By 2050, that's going to be 22%. So that's a huge shift in the way that we live, the way that we work, the way that communities need to provide services. Uh, so that's one of the shifts. The other big thing is change and just continuing to to follow this theme throughout season one of 12 geniuses uh, different varieties of change why we're resistant to change and the last thing that i've added to the things that i'm following is cannabis uh, particularly here in the united states there's a, a huge shift in public opinion from the early 90s so in 1990, only 16% of Americans favored legalization of cannabis. Now, 90% of Americans favor cannabis for medical purposes, and over 60% are, are favoring it for all sorts of uses. So that's one that I'm, I'm following, and I actually just interviewed somebody on that particular topic recently. So these are just a handful of ways in which these new technologies are changing the way that we live and work. Those are fantastic examples. I think it's pretty amazing that uh, things can change as fast as they do, and I also think it's amazing that you mentioned resistance to that and and resisting that change is is a hard thing especially for human beings to adapt and so i think it's amazing that you you follow that now i know that you like uh getting your travel on and so where did you go this quarter this past quarter, I haven't taken as many trips as I normally do. I typically take two or three trips a month. But, you know, we had a, a new baby recently. She's nine months old now. So that's kept me home a little bit more. But I did travel to Las Vegas. Uh, from Las Vegas, I went to Death Valley and then Lone Pine, California, where I had a podcast interview there. 
went to, to Washington, D.C. two times, went to New York recently, went to Connecticut, and had an opportunity to, to speak with some students at Yale University. So that was my first time in New Haven, Connecticut. That was a really great experience. Went to Phoenix with my family, and then our family took a trip to France, went to Unfleur, France, which is on the Normandy coast, and the four of us went there and spent about 11 days there. So that, that's the ground that I covered this past quarter. That's amazing. I love that. And and me being a fellow father, I can only imagine what France looked like with a family of four. I'm sure it went really, really well. Didn't go as smoothly as you might have uh, wanted or we w- might have wanted, but it was it was a great trip. We have a three-year-old daughter and a nine-month-old daughter, and imagine taking them seven time zones away mm. and <laughs> staying in a house that you don't know. Uh, it was fairly disruptive to our lives. It wasn't the trip that we had imagined, but we had some great, great uh, day trips. We went to a lot of the D-Day sites, which was really, really powerful, particularly when you keep in mind that that was 75 years ago. Mm. This year, so June 6th, this year will be 75 years that that invasion occurred. And for me, you know, I tried to put myself in the situation of being an 18-year-old young man and what would I have done? And I just cannot imagine the fear, the courage, the bravery required to do that. And so I have great admiration for those, not only those soldiers, but their leaders and and the incredible planning required in order to embark on that operation. Yeah, that's an amazing, amazing opportunity to experience something like that. Now, I've always respected the fact that you've been very open to learning, embracing change, hugging it and just saying, hey, let's bring this change on. So in three months' time, I can only imagine what you have learned. So why don't we tell the audience in first quarter, what did you learn? A handful of things. Number one, as it relates to 12 Geniuses, there is an audience that's interested in this theme around change. They want to hear what the latest trends are, how that's going to change the way that we live and work. And so I've been really surprised at the growth of the podcast audience and Also, the number of organizations that want me to come in and brief executives on this particular topic and to brief them on these technologies, these trends that we're following, these demographics, etc. So that's been, you know, particularly exciting for me. One of the things that I learned that is a bit upsetting is that government. So one of the things that I should have mentioned is I am also following climate change. And that is an episode that's coming up. It'll probably be the last episode of this season for season one of 12 Geniuses. And government, I've I've come to the conclusion that government alone cannot solve the climate change challenges that we have. Government just acts too slowly. And even as we look at the Paris Agreement from 2016, we're seeing that countries are not meeting their agreed upon benchmarks for carbon reduction. So in my mind, the only solution is really incredible innovation and private citizens, startups coming up with solutions that will solve the problem of of climate change. Government may have a part, maybe they can be an accelerator in terms of offering tax breaks or maybe funding some different studies or sharing different research and development that has gone on. 
But I believe that innovators, really, really smart people in, in private industry have to come up with these solutions and also big organizations, too. So that's a huge thing is organizations, established organizations are changing their behaviors and, and they absolutely have to contribute to this as well. But we all have to contribute in order to address this big issue of climate change. One of the buzzwords that has been around for a long time is disruption. And and on the government thing, on that in that thread, do you think that the government, because of the fact that they are slow as molasses, that there needs to be some dis- disruption within that sector? And and how do you think that that could happen? I'm not optimistic there in terms of federal government. Uh, I just see too much gridlock and probably too much gridlock over the next, let's say, five to 10 years. Where I do see leadership occurring is within communities. So local government, state government, uh, county government, and uh, governments working with chambers of commerce. You will see pockets of innovation there Federally, I just don't see it in this country. Maybe in other countries it will be different, but in this country I'm not too optimistic about that. But maybe we don't need it. Uh, Of course it would be helpful, but when the United States pulled out of, of the Paris Agreement, you saw hundreds of universities, hundreds of companies, many, many leaders saying, you know what, we are still going to abide by the Paris Agreement. And so... They said, "Okay, if our federal government doesn't want to be a leader here, you know, we'll do our part. And so that gave me a sense of optimism. Grassroots efforts are are more powerful right now than our federal government. And that can be very, very uh, influential in in how things will will occur within our own country and around the world. Mm, That's amazing. Now, you you speak with some amazing people on 12 Geniuses. And it's just been awesome to hear that. And so who in first quarter, who did you interview? Who did you talk to? I had two interviews late December that were launched in January of this year. Rebecca Ryan is a futurist. So we did talk about a lot of these topics and she works with a lot of communities to map out what is your community going to look like in 20 or 30 years and taking a bunch of different information around how the population is aging and what types of services might be needed in the future. And so we talked about futurism and how that can be used within an individual's life or within an organization. Lauren Azar used to work for the Department of Energy, and we talked about energy innovation and how important it is for renewables to be embraced and how coal is needs to be phased out. And and that's not just a an environmental fact. It's an economic fact. Coal and the 50 to 80,000 jobs that coal supports, there's just not a future for it in this country. And in fact, coal plants are being retired if you look at a hole within the United States. And so we talked about energy policy. A couple of other interviews recently Chris Farrell, we talked about the future of retirement. A lot of people will know Chris Farrell from 
uh, Minnesota Public Radio, and he's been involved in a lot of different other uh, publications and, and mediums. My former business partner, Patrick Riley, and I talked about just technology, innovation, disruption, and he is switching careers. He's now producing a film, so we talked about that change, which was remarkable. Andrew Winston and I talked about climate change, and that episode will be coming out soon. That was an interview that I hosted this Monday, so just a few days ago. The next day, I interviewed Daniel Pink, the author of When and To Sell as Human, Drive. Many people will know him. We talked about creativity and innovation, and he'll be episode one for season two. And then the last person I interviewed this quarter is a woman named Giada Aguirre de Carcer. Very, very interesting interview. She has an interesting background. In fact, uh, she was late for a meeting on 9-11 in one of the towers, and being late actually saved her life. She lost all of her colleagues that day. Uh, we talk a little bit about how that moment shifted her career because she went into intelligence for the U.S. government and now has a data company called New Frontier Data that studies the cannabis industry. And I learned so much from that interview, and I'm very proud that that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. These are some amazing, amazing conversations you're having, just about change and where we're going and what we're doing as a society. It's just, uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. So the next quarter, who are you talking to? What's in store? What's, what's happening second quarter of 2019? A handful of things. So one thing that I'm really, really excited about is that I'm keynoting a conference in St. Paul here on April 10th called Fuel Work. I'm the opening keynote that day, and I'm going to talk for about a half an hour about a lot of the things that we're talking about here, new technologies, demographics that are changing the way that we live and work, and what we as individuals and as leaders within our companies need to do in order to harness these changes and avoid disruption and avoid obsolescence. So that's one of the big things that I'm doing. We're also going to release 12 three-minute leadership moments. And these will be profiles of historical leaders throughout human history, probably mostly 20th century leaders or 21st century leaders. And you know, we'll share the profile and, and the lesson that we can learn and how we can apply that to our lives and, and our leadership styles. And then we're going to start season two. So the first interview was with Daniel Pink, as I mentioned. The theme is creativity and innovation. And we have a hip hop artist that we're going to interview, talk about how he creates, how he writes songs creates performances. We're going to talk to somebody who is in the big data field and how they use data to improve the employee experience. We've got a long list of innovators that we are going to interview and, and we're very, very excited about season two. That's awesome. There's a, it sounds like there's a lot of, lot of juiciness uh, in store for second quarter. I love that. Now, let me, let me change it up just a little bit. So what is the number one thing your audience or even just society, should be paying attention to? The first thing that I'll describe is the profile of this audience. These are people who are absolutely curious, and they're continuous learners. And that doesn't apply to everybody's audience. So, so it's a very exciting group of people. And in my opinion, what I want them to take from this is exposure to new things, new content, 
and for them to imagine how this is going to change the way we live and work and for them to start thinking about what sorts of changes they need to, to make individually in order to, to take advantage of these changes and to avoid disruption. What I want to be, what I want 12 Geniuses to be is a lighthouse. And for the audience to say to themselves, if we continue on this path, we're going to run into rocks. So we need to change course in order to stay alive, to thrive, and to flourish in the future. I want them to be a lighthouse because there's an amazing amount of change that's coming. And I, I want them to think about, okay, how is this going to affect me? What can I do to be relevant, to flourish in the future? What can I do to influence my organization so it continues to thrive in the future? That's awesome. So last question for you, because your opinion is that you say it in the show all the time, that we're living in one of the best times of all human history. Do you think technology will disrupt us to the point of going in reverse of that philosophy? Let me be very, very clear on this. We're not living in one of the best times in human history. We are living in the best time in human history. This is irrefutable. So today is March 28th, 2019, and today is better than it was yesterday, and today is worse than it will be tomorrow. We're living longer. We're healthier. We have more opportunities than ever before. We have more leisure time than ever before. So, you know, for these reasons, life is better than ever. Your question is very complicated because I, I can't see out 100 years from now. But what I can say is in the near future, technology will continue to make our lives better. Artificial intelligence will absolutely make our lives better. Robots, as they always have, will make our lives better. It doesn't mean that they won't eliminate jobs. It doesn't mean that they could present obstacles and they could present new addictions. They will. And that's why it's important to, to learn about these particular topics. But I would say in the next 30 years, yes, life will continue to get better. We will be able to more effectively diagnose cancer and treat cancer. We will be able to connect with people that we never would have connected with in the past. We'll have more free time. The world will be much, much safer. Think about driverless cars. For Will that eliminate a lot of jobs? Yes, it will eliminate a lot of jobs. Will it make the world safer? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm very bullish in terms of life continuing to get better over the next 30 years. What it looks like after that, I don't know. And, and I'll just end with this. I read something recently from a guy named Ray Kurzweil, and he's, he's a futurist who is very, very well respected in, in that field. And he predicted all sorts of things like the laptop computer before decades before we even knew what it was and mobile technology before, you know, they were even ideas. And he said in 2001, he said, in the 21st century, we will experience as much innovation during that 100 year period that we experienced over the previous 20,000 years. So I'm going to say between now and 2050, life will continue to get better. And technology is a big reason for that. What it looks like after 2050, I'm not so sure. You know, I can see why people might really fear that future. 
But if the past is any indication of what the future might look like, technology has continued to make our lives better. Yes, it has introduced some ills to society and we don't connect in the same way that we used to. And I do believe that that affects our happiness. But those of us who are aware of these things and can pull back and can moderate our use of technology, yeah, life is, life is amazing. It's absolutely amazing today and will get more amazing tomorrow. I love it. And and it's it's exciting to think about that. And so I'm looking forward to the future. And so, Don, here's what I can say. Thank you so much for bringing me into this world because I love 12 Geniuses and everybody listening. Just so you know, Don and I go way back and I've been learning from you for a long time. And, you know, you might not even know this, but you've been kind of almost like a secretive mentor to me. And I've just really enjoyed all of our conversations and I'm really looking forward to what you do second quarter of 2019, 2020, 2021 with 12 Geniuses. It's going to be an amazing ride. So for all those listening, buckle up. It's going to be awesome. So Don, thanks for having me, brother. Thanks, Joey. Thanks for doing this.